joy. We hear it and we think of happiness or laughter. But true joy far outweighs any fleeting emotions. Like a beautiful garment, joy is a response that we clothe ourselves with. And at this time of year, it's our heart's cry as we bear witness again to the birth of the Savior. And let's face it, there's not a person here who couldn't use a little more joy these days. So you're invited into that quality of joy, whether your life is full of happiness or not. It's an invitation for every person, and it's here now, because Jesus is here now. This is joy. Welcome to Christmas. Good morning, church family. I invite you to stand as we begin our service today. So we've lit our third candle, the candle of joy. You know, when we read the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, it says, The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And I want you to think about that for a moment. Good news of great joy that will be for all people. That's what Jesus did for us in his coming. And that is the good news uh, that he's come to save uh, his people. I hope you're excited. Thank you for braving the elements this morning. But let's just worship our Lord with joy in our hearts for all that he's done. Amen. Come on, let's get our hands together.
worshiping this church. Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come let us adore Him. Christ the Lord. Oh, come let us Thank you for coming. Lord, we adore you in this place, God. Your church, your family, God, we praise you from our hearts, not just our lips, God. We give you glory in this place today, God. You are worthy. Come, let us adore you, God. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them hi this morning. Welcome them. church. It is so great to be here with you guys this morning. You could have chosen to be anywhere else on this rainy day. Actually, this is a great place to be inside, isn't it? Amen. This is a great place to be here today. Um, I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Pastor Jeremy. I am one of the pastors on staff here at Anastasia Church, and I want to say welcome and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Hope you guys are having a great Christmas holiday so far. What a cool thing it is that we get to celebrate Christmas. I was talking to the youth this week that Christmas is not just about, about, about celebrating the birth of Jesus. While it is, it's celebrating the fact that God became a man. He came from heaven to earth. That was a huge sacrifice on his part, that he set aside his godhood to become a human. The creator became a creature. What an incredible thing it is, all for the sake of living a perfect life to offer us a sacrifice to pay for our sinfulness so that we could have a relationship with God. That was the whole plan and it began with Christmas. It's not just celebrating Jesus' birthday. 
celebrating that God became a man and he reached out to us. What an incredible thing that we get to celebrate this season. And I'm so glad that you guys are here with us um, celebrating. If you are a guest with us today, we want to say thank you for joining us. We want to welcome you and we want to help you get to connected to some great people here. We have a special gift for you at our our welcome desk, but also we have a a cool little website that um, kicks off by clicking this um, QR code that's up here every week. Right there, if you scan that little guy, it pulls up a nice little website that brings you all sorts of information. Our bulletin, our announcements, our connect card to help you get connected to good people, and all sorts of other things that you can check out for Anastasia Church. And so um, if you scan that little guy with your phone, it pulls up that website, and that'll help you get connected to some good people. Let me show you, um, I'll tell you about a couple of quick announcements here. One, very quick, or tonight we have a special self-guided silent candlelight service at 6 p.m. in the sanctuary. It's a very special kind of a service where it's really, really quiet and it's really reflective and um, it's really cool. It starts at 6 p.m. tonight. If you want to celebrate Christmas by joining us for that service, then come and join with us tonight. The next one is we have, uh, I think, five Christmas Christmas Eve services, and it starts at 10.30 a.m. on Christmas Eve at 10.30, and then it goes to 1.30, 3, 4.30, and 6. We have contemporary services and traditional services. There's no child care during those services, but there's a, a child's... Uh, a children's moment during the services so that you can bring your kids in and, and, and celebrate Christmas and on Christmas Eve with your whole entire family. I am so excited to be a part of this today, and I'm really, really excited about our message today. We got an incredible message today, and, and um, every person in here that's t- here today, God knew you were going to be here today to hear this message, to be part of this today, so I'm glad that you guys were. Let me pray for our, our tithes and our offerings as we uh, pray that God will use our gifts for His glory. God, we love you and we thank you for this day. We thank you for for Jesus who sacrificed his Godhood for a moment to come down here and live on earth, to be among us and share his love for us that while we were his enemies, he died for us. We praise you, God, for that. There is no God like you. And you can use our, our, our brokenness for your glory. So whether it's our tithe and offering, whether it's our, 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 our talent, whether it's um, our time, whether it's just who we are coming to give ourselves to you, Lord, I pray that you will use it to build your kingdom, not ours, for your glory, not ours, so that our life may point to you, so that our church may point to you. We love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Well, good morning, church. Merry Christmas. Are you awake yet? Merry Christmas. There we go. Okay. Making sure, making sure. Well, hey, this morning, I want to take an opportunity to introduce to you Herrick and Laura Smith. And uh, Herrick and Laura have been friends of mine and just people I admire for their heart, for the Lord, but also for marriages. And so uh, they are uh, taking uh, an adventure. You guys are starting an adventure next spring and, and starting a ministry that we're really excited about. It's called Reengage. It's not new to Anastasia. Our 16 campus has been doing this for some years and just seen an incredible fruit of the ministry. Uh, but they're going to be bringing that here to the Island Campus. 
campus starting in the spring. Now, Reengage is a discipleship ministry focused towards marriages, but really the whole family, and really seeking ways to come alongside marriages to give them a biblical view, an understanding of how to honor the Lord in their marriage, but also trying to work in a way not just in crisis, although it does help many marriages that are in crisis. It tries to be proactive to work ahead of things, right? Because we know in marriages, right, it's not a question of if, right, but there will be challenges that we face. And so just an incredible ministry. And so Harry and Laura, just first off, thank you for stepping out in faith. Uh, but tell us a little bit how you got involved with Reengaged and just a little bit about yourselves. Sure thing. Uh, good morning. My name is Herrick, and this is my wife, Laura Smith. And we have twin three-year-old boys and one on the way uh, in April. And uh, we've been married for seven years. And we first started in becoming interested in Reengage uh, kind of at my prompting. We were in a rocky spot. And uh, Paul and Nancy Moore uh, led it out at the State Road 16 campus. And that was enough for me to give it a try. Um, by the time we actually got to attend, Paul had since passed away. But the current leadership and Sid and Elizabeth Meichler are of similarly high caliber. Yeah, um, Herrick definitely tried to get us to go to re-engage for like two semesters, I think. And I was pretty skeptical, right? All the typical reasons, like I don't want to be vulnerable or we don't really need this or what are you trying to say about me? All those things. <laughs> but um, I finally agreed to go. And then the first two weeks are kind of open group and you don't have to commit for the first two weeks. Um, our family got COVID, so I got out of it for a whole nother semester. <laughs> Uh, but Herrick kept being insistent that we go, and so the third time was the charm, and we finally went, and I'm so glad he persevered in getting me to go because it's made a huge impact in our relationship and our parenting, just all of it. So it made such a, a big impact that you decided not to go once, not twice, but three semesters. And um, so, you know, tell us a little bit about the format, what you have learned over the years. I mean, obviously, doing it more than once, you've learned more each time, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a 14-week course that used to be 16, so if you think about 52 weeks in a year, the course is like an hour and a half each week with maybe like 30 minutes of homework, it's a pretty small investment to make in something as important as your marriage. So uh, 14 weeks and kind of the overarching premise of the whole thing is that you draw a circle around yourself and then you work on everything inside that circle. So uh, not a lot of pointing fingers and, and that sort of thing that sometimes can happen through marriage studies or marriage conversations. Um, oh, yeah. And so at the end of each semester, they just ask you what you're going to do to not lose progress. Um, and every single time I think we wrote, we're just going to come back next semester so we don't lose progress. So by default, uh, we just keep participating. So we might as well lead it. And the biggest thing I learned is an analogy based on rocks kind of in your garden. Uh, you learn how to work around them. They look nice. Um, but, you know, they're kind of in the way. And every uh, week there's a new content area. And it was similar to turning over a rock in your garden and realizing there's all kind of weird stuff growing down there. And every single week we realized that there were these areas in our relationship that we learned to work around. But really needed to be cleaned up. Um, and so then we just came back the next semester with a scrub brush and, you know, kind of chipped away at that overall job. Well, you know, at Anastasia, we have people who've been married uh, just in the last year. We have people who've been married for 30 to 40 years. Um, who would you say your targeted audience is? Well, we're very exclusive. We're only for people who care about their marriage. Um, 
So I'll put that out there. Um, And also any married couple, including life groups. We're offering it at the nine o'clock hour, which is presently, um, so that families can attend the 1030 hour. And then child care is taken care of for both. And if you're already in a life group that meets at this time or the following hour, and people are married, just bring the whole life group. We provide the curriculum. Um, We will commit to keeping your life group together unless you don't want to. Um, uh, But yeah, it's really, really for anybody. Yeah, and on the life group note, if if that is a life group situation that you're in, I mean, just imagine the depth of intimacy of working through that with couples you already have a relationship with that you can build with those couples and families that you already do life with. Um, In addition, there's uh, kind of a conversation about whether you rate your marriage on a scale of 1 to 10 at the low end, a 1, 2, 3, and are looking to move it up to a 3 or 4 or 5. Versus if you think your marriage is an eight or a nine um, and wanting to move it up a step there too. And uh, to quote Ed, who's one of the leaders out at State Road 16, if you think your marriage is a 10, I guarantee you it can be a stronger 10. So just um, wherever you are, this curriculum really meets you where you're at and um, is applicable in so many different situations, right? We have seen it come and work for people that are blended families, newly married, um, are in the season of life where they're transitioning to empty nesters, or maybe the season of life where um, they're aging and experiencing health problems where they have to support each other in a new way. It's been applicable for so many people. All right, before I ask you kind of some final closing words, uh, you guys have a table out in the atrium. We'd love for people just to stop by to get more information about that. Um, And you can uh, look also in the bulletin. There's a QR code that can help you register ahead of time so they know uh, that you will be in attendance. Uh, So be be sure to stop by the table, check out the bulletin, but just any closing remarks that you give people. Yeah, kind of again on that note of, you know, depending on where you rate your marriage, I just want to specifically encourage people who've been married for a long time or think, you know, I don't need that. My marriage is good. We've we've had our problems in the past, but we figured it out. Um, I just really encourage you to prayerfully consider your role in the, in the ministry as a whole, but specifically in participating and just imagine the wisdom, the impact you can have on sharing the tools you've learned, your experience with couples who aren't there yet. Um, we, we don't have all the experience in the world, so us just saying, sure, we'll lead it, is not going to help everybody. We need the church as a whole to participate and love on each other. And speaking of the church as a whole, um, in this room are a whole bunch of people. And if there's any problem that you struggle with that has a name, that means enough other people have struggled with it that people had to give it a name to refer to it as. So there's pornography addiction, sexual abuse, alcoholism, marital infidelity, same-sex attraction in this room, and two of that list apply to our marriage. So we will commit to being tenaciously transparent and helping people embrace the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Well, church, we're excited, amen. Give them a round of applause.
As they step out in faith to, to lead this ministry, I just want to take a moment just to pray over them as they do that. So will you join me in praying over them? Uh, Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for Herrick and Lauren just stepping out in faith. Lord, may you bless this ministry. May you bless this work. May marriages be reignited and just, uh, God, new. Um, God, just hope and God, love for one another be seen. And, and in all ways, may we uh, just reflect you in our relationships together, Lord. So pray, Father, just blessings over them. And God, we're just ex- expectant on what you're going to do. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give them one more round of applause. Well, just briefly before I introduce our speaker, uh, one other thing I want to do this morning is I'm going to introduce some of our staff to come out here. Uh, as, as you heard just a few weeks ago, we're in a season of just growth here at Anastasia. And as a part of that, uh, we wanted to be very strategic in staffing and ministering in the way that the Lord has called us. And with the direction and help and support of our personnel committee, we've made some uh, staffing changes that I just want to let you be aware of. And so uh, starting off here, I'll start with Brandon since you're standing right next to me here. Uh, Brandon has served as our production and communications pastor over the last couple years and has done an incredible job uh, making sure all the lights and sound and everything gets running as it should on not just our weekends, but all throughout the week. And uh, as we've had him in this role of production and communications, it became too much as we've been growing uh, to be communications as well. So we felt the need to hire or put a person in full-time communications. And that person is Rachel Smith. And so she is... uh, just joined just in the last month as our full-time communication director. And so we're excited for her. So uh, Brandon will be continuing doing production, uh, but also uh, having a more of an emphasis on helping to lead worship as that fits real hand in hand in what he does. And Rachel will be stepping in as full-time communication director. Uh, previously, Rachel served on our staff as discipleship coordinator and helped a lot of our ministries, life groups, uh, our, our small groups, our marriage ministries, things like that, make sure that they're resourced and equipped uh, to have all the the support that they needed. And so as Rachel moves into this new position, there was another opening and hole. And then, so I want to go down to Kyle here. Uh, You guys got it all together, right? I'm making sure everybody's got it here. Um, Kyle is going to be stepping in as we start our new recreation ministry. I don't know if you noticed, but we have a a rec center just behind us. Do you guys see that when you drove up? Uh, It's a joke. Um, There's a rec center and there's going to be a gym in there. And we're really excited to be hosting Upward Sports Ministry here at Anastasia. And for us to do that effectively and reach our community with a life changing truth of Jesus, uh, we felt like it was very important to have a sports outreach person. And so Kyle is going to be splitting his time doing sports outreach, but also helping out with discipleship as Rachel moves into communication. And last but not least, we have Allie. Uh, Allie Vance has been serving in our youth ministry over the last couple of years and has done a phenomenal job. Uh, previously, there were two uh, part-time people working in our youth ministry, a youth admin and a youth associate. And we saw an opportunity to combine those two positions to make Allie full-time. And so she's been doing that and doing an incredible job. And so we want to let you know a few of these strategic changes that our personnel committee is helping us through and so that you're aware, uh, but ask that you continue to pray as the Lord continues to grow Anastasia, that we will serve faithfully. And so uh, can we just give our staff a round of applause here as they make these transitions and pray for them? Thank you guys. God bless y'all. All right, and now I want to take an opportunity just to introduce uh, our guest speaker here this morning, uh, Chad Walters. And Chad uh, serves here within our church. Uh, he is a pastor and has served in Indiana and uh, various places in Florida. And, uh, but he's a, he calls Anastasia his home. And I'm always blown away at the amount of depth and leadership that we have right here 
in this congregation. And so um, I'm excited for Chad to come share the word this morning. So can we give a round of applause to Chad as he comes this morning? Well, good morning, church. How are you today? Everyone should be really good because we are inside a dry place. Amen. Well, I am so um, just excited to get to speak to you guys today. Last week, I spoke across the hall, and uh, just it's always a pleasure for me to bring the Word of God. Um, sometimes I think we show up at church on Sundays just out of like uh, a tradition, you know, like we feel like we have to. It's Sunday. This is what we do. This is what our family does. But during the holidays, uh, it's one of those times where there's a lot of people at church that might not have come otherwise, Right? A lot more faces, a lot more visitors. So as you know, we are in a sermon series right now through the Christmas holiday called Kings of Christmas. And when Pastor Walter called me a few weeks ago, he said, what king would you like? And that's always, you know, I don't know. Is there a king you would like me to preach on or is there a king you would like me to choose to preach on? And so I was excited enough to just say, Herod. And I said it really quick because Herod was, well, one, the first one that came to mind, but also the one that growing up that I remember the most, don't you? Herod was the king that could not handle anyone ruling over him. He just couldn't do it. And one way to really figure out how he just couldn't handle people ruling over him was that he couldn't handle a toddler ruling over him, right? That sounds like some deep down issues in a man, right? I don't know about you guys. I don't really have any issues with toddlers. I don't really have a lot of issues with other people. I mean, I'm a Christian. We're to love one another, but we're talking about babies, right? He was a pretty messed up guy. So that's who I chose. And we're going to talk about him today. But uh, one thing that I wanted to start with was... A lot of times in the Bible, when we think of characters in the Bible, right? I don't know about you guys, but when, I'm, when I think of the Bible and I think about Bible stories, ever since I was a kid sitting on the front row, my dad was a pastor, we had to sit on the front row. It's where we had to be. And that way he could either see us messing around, right guys? A lot of teenagers on the front row today. So my dad could see us either messing around, handing notes. One of my brothers liked to sleep. You know, it was just where he could keep us in check. But when I was a kid, I remember dad preaching the the Christmas services all month during December. And we would get to right before the Christmas service. And that's when we would talk about King Herod and baby Jesus and the wise men. But the thing I'll never forget was this character by the name of Herod. And I remember sitting in the front row, hearing these sermons about Herod going, What is wrong with this guy? Like, when I think of King Herod to this day, I still picture like the big bad wolf, right? Just somebody that could dress up to get any part, but deep down in his soul was just a bad man. But today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the issue between Herod and Jesus. Because it wasn't just about a bad man. It was about an issue between two people and one of them didn't even realize there was an issue. Toddler, baby, Jesus. But Herod did. There was a major issue. So I wanna say it again. Today what we're gonna dive into is the issue between these two kings. We're gonna be in Matthew chapter two today. But before we read, let's just uh, pray over the reading of the word. Father, we thank you for today. 
we thank you that uh, your son came to give his life, to be resurrected from the dead, God, and just, just show the ultimate power, defeating the grave. God, as we look into this today, I pray that the Holy Spirit speaks. Dear God, I'm just a vessel. We're just vessels, God. Holy Spirit, speak. Help those who need help. Guide those who need some guidance. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Now, I don't know a whole lot of people that are still carrying paper Bibles, but if you have a paper Bible today, underline that or write it in your notes. I think it's very important that we note when King Herod heard this, he was troubled. And all of Jerusalem with him and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where this Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea. So it is written by the prophets. Verse six says, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea are by no means least among the rulers of Judea. For from you shall come the ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And when he sent to them to Bethlehem to go search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I may come worship him too. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold the star that they had seen when it rose before them until the time the rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, opening their treasures they offered. They fell down and worshiped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their country by, your Bible say, another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Now as I read that, I think most of us in the room have probably heard that group of scripture, right? Has just about everyone, raise of hands, you can raise your hands. I love interactive audiences. Thank you so much. Teenagers are the best. By the raise of hands, how many people have heard what we just read? At least once. Okay, just about everybody in here, right? Some people are too shy to raise their hands. I will tell you that if I am ever offered the opportunity to preach, you are always allowed to say amen. You're allowed to raise your hands, stand up, do whatever it is you'd like to do because we are a body of believers, I'm standing, you also can enjoy this as well, right? But most of us in the room have heard the passage, but I wonder how many of us have ever really pondered the issue between Herod and Jesus. A powerful king, think about this, a powerful king decides, I'm going to hunt a baby. A powerful king has babies murdered to find one of them. And see, Herod was very, very powerful. He was a warrior, You'd think that that wouldn't have been too hard for him, right? Find a toddler, kill a bunch of babies, go to bed at night, not think anything of it. Let's talk about Herod for a minute so you can kind of get an idea of how he got where he did and why he was who he was. So King Herod um, wasn't always king, obviously. 
But he also did not become king like most kings do. Most kings become kings through a lineage, right? A bloodline. You're next in line. Da-da-da-da-da. I'm going to pass away. This kid gets this house. It's the same thing, right? Right? It's a, it's a line. And those, those kids growing up, they, they know where they sit. And king Herod was not that way. King Herod was not in the lineage to become a king. No. King Herod fought his way to the top. He was a master fighter. He was very smart. He was a great planner. He was an amazing facilitator. And he was really tricky. So by the age of 26 years old, after fighting many years as a teenager and a young man, 26 years old, Rome had recognized him to the point that they said he should be governor of Jerusalem. Now, did you hear what I said? I didn't say that Jerusalem said he should be our governor. We really like him. He's awesome. No, this was Rome. Rome had the power to put people in position. So at the age of 26, after lots of murder, lots of war, lots of bloodshed, he found himself governor over Jerusalem. In a 10-year period, he had become king. He became king at the age of 36. And when he became king, look out. His power had risen to an all-time great level. Now, one thing he was doing in Jerusalem that, that Rome really liked by the time he was 36, he had built massive temples. He had built tons of buildings. He had fixed infrastructure, something that they haven't done in St. Augustine. <laughs> I moved here four years ago and I thought, yeah, I'm not really sure where we want to live yet, so we'll rent for a while. But then after we figured it out, I'm like, okay, I like it down here. It's really quiet. We live way down by 206. But infrastructure, infrastructure can make you angry, can't it? Let me, let me rephrase it. The lack of infrastructure. Well, what King Herod was really good at is he was really good at making the people like him. He was kind of like a politician, but a crafty politician. Now, I don't know if those actually exist, crafty politicians, but it's what he was. And by the age of 36 years old, I know to me, that's very young now. When I think of 36, I'm like, yeah, my joints didn't hurt back then. 36 years old, he's appointed to be king over Jerusalem. So it makes me wonder, like, what would bring a man with so much power and authority. And you had to think he thought himself a pretty great dude, right? I mean, he had to think of himself pretty special. He accomplished this all on what? His own. How many people you know in your life right now that are accomplishing a lot of things? They're making a ton of money. They're driving the best cars. They got the biggest houses. And how are they doing it? Are they doing it by the grace of God? Are they giving to the church where it needs? Are they getting up every morning just leaning on their own understanding? There's nothing wrong with wealth. There's nothing wrong with success. But what's important for us to understand is it can go away at the blink of an eye. It can go away with a blink of an eye. Herod didn't understand this and Herod probably wouldn't listen to many people that even would try to inform him of this. So the question remains, what would make a man with so much power want to kill babies? I mean, I just can't wrap my head around that. And I know you're thinking, well, this is supposed to be the week before Christmas service. This should be more happy, right? This should be much, much more happy. 
Well, by the time we get to the end of it, you'll see why we should be so happy as Christians. The power that lies within us that many times we don't tap into is what we're talking about today. A power that Herod did not have. The answer to the question is in the question. It's a simple word, earthly. Earthly. Herod's power was 100% earthly. Leaning on his own understanding. Herod proved this to us in your first note today. Great earthly power brings neither peace or security. Do you believe that? How many people believe that? Isn't it true? It doesn't matter what you've accomplished, what you think you're accomplishing, what your bank account says, it doesn't bring peace or security in your life. I've been there, I've seen it. I've counseled families that were here and now they're here. And they always ask the same question, why? What happened? And the only thing you can ever say back to these people is this. You were using your power. You were not leaning on God in that time. See, when things go bad in our lives as Christians, the first thing we should do is hit our knees. We should hit our knees in the morning, every morning, right? We shouldn't wait till it's all fallen apart. But I'm just gonna be real transparent and honest with you today. I hit my knees much quicker when things are falling apart. And what's that tell me? Even as a pastor for a dozen years, somehow I'm still leaning on my own power. Oh, I got this. You ever said that? My wife hates that, by the way. She's not in this service. She'll be in the next one, but she hates that. When I'm just, I got things to do. And how can I help you? I got it. That basically is telling her, you're not needed. But how many days in our lives do we say, God, you're not needed. I got this. I got power windows in my car, God. I know, that was an old comment. We actually had to crank ours down when I was a teenager. <laughs> and sometimes even that would break. Herod had no peace or security in his life, even though he had many accolades and applause. True power in this life comes only by recognizing Jesus as king over our lives. But what I want to say to you today, what I want to impress upon you the most, and we only have 10 minutes left because there's a huge clock behind you. You don't see it, but I see it. It's very big. It's telling me I have 10 minutes to wrap it up. So we're going to try. What we have to understand about this power struggle we have in our lives with, with money, with things, with relationships, with our jobs. See, it all boils down to something we have called a choice. Who here is super happy that God gave us free will? I like that guy, wherever he is. I can't see you very well, but free will. He gave us a choice. We get to get up in the morning and make a choice what we're gonna put on. And that choice is great, isn't it? But there's a problem having a choice because now it requires what? A decision, right? Teenage girls, I know you're gonna know this one because I have a preteen daughter and I know before school, you can go into her room to pray with her and there'll be five outfits laying on the floor and they'll be laid out just like there's people laying in there. 
pants, shirt, hat, socks, shoes, the whole thing's laying there, right? But when she wakes up in the morning, you guys are laughing, it's true, isn't it? When she wakes up in the morning now, she had a choice last night what to put on the floor to pick, but the next morning she has to make a decision which one she's gonna pick, even though everybody's in the car ready to go to school for 10 minutes and you're honking. And... But we're Christians. We're believers and God gave us a choice, but it's up to us to make a decision. We can't just float along in this life. It's impossible. Some people are like, God's got it. Yeah, he does got it. But he lives in here and he gave us free will. And he said, you guys all have a choice and I just make a decision. That decision's up to us. Paul said it best to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter six and verse 10. Paul says, put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. Hmm. So you've laid out your outfits, kids, and you gotta make a choice. I promise you, and I don't know why I had this dream when I was in a kid, and, in, and mainly, mainly in college I had this dream. I don't know what was going on in college. But I'd have this dream that I was in class and I forgot my pants. I know you didn't expect that today. Christmas kings. But it's true, it's just a crazy dream I used to have. And there's nothing you can do because you're just sitting there. But what I'm getting at is Paul said to the church of Ephesus, which he loved the church of Ephesus. Why did he love the church of Ephesus so much? He loved them so much because he spent more time with them than any other group, any other church that he sent letters. He spent a great deal of time. It was like two to four years of time with them. He loved them dearly. And what he was saying was when you get up in the morning, put on the whole armor, not just the shirt, not just the shoes, put on the whole armor. See, this is the decision we have to make. It's all available to us. Isn't that cool? Isn't the Bible cool? I love the Bible so much because no matter what's in it, I can preach it. And if somebody says, listen, I didn't like your sermon, I could say, you gotta take it up with the Bible. <laughs> it's all I got. It's all I can use. It's the only place we get this stuff from. And Paul said it to the church of Ephesus because he was very passionate about what he did. Put on the whole armor of God. See, there's an anointed mindset and there's an earthly mindset. Y'all know what I mean? Let me give you a quick example. The anointed mindset looks like this. I'm in church today. I've got on my best clothes. Or maybe it's Sunday and you're wearing your least best clothes because you wear your best clothes all week and you don't feel like wearing them today. But you're comfortable. And this is the place where we sing worship songs and we leave and we have our head held up high and we feel lighter, do we not? On our way to church on Sundays, we feel good because we have an anointed mindset. We just worshiped, we just raised our hands and we just heard from the word of God. Now, Monday morning, it seems like a whole different thing, doesn't it? First thing I do on Monday morning, it's not read my Bible because if I told you that, I would be lying. But when I do, it's the best day. Amen. And I try to do it every day. Amen. My wife loves to see my Bible on the counter in the morning. Because it means I started my day well. 
We have a choice. Earthly mindset or anointed mindset. I don't know about you guys, but I want my power to come from heaven, don't you? My goodness, give me all the power in the world. Give me one day of the heavenly power. One day of heaven's power. My goodness, what could we do with that? Watch what it says in verse 13. Just a few words, five words, six words. It says in verse 13, an angel of the Lord appeared. An angel of the Lord appeared. See, where the power of heaven came down, there was a toddler. I know this is hard to wrap your mind around because we've we've been taught that this was a baby in a manger, but there's a lot of things we can study and find out that he probably was a toddler. Now, he can still be swaddled with Mary when they showed up, right? We still swaddle our toddlers. We don't kick them to the curb and say, go get a job when they're three. She was still rocking the baby. But he was probably a toddler. Now, most toddlers cannot outrun an army of centurion soldiers whacking babies, right? Right? He didn't have to, did he? Look at those six words said, an angel of the Lord appeared. The power of heaven came down and protected our King Jesus is what occurred. The power of heaven. Real sustaining power in our lives comes from God. So I had to ask myself before I even finished writing this sermon, like why is it so important for us to even think about you know, uh, power in church today and the, and the power of heaven? I've got a couple real quick things I wanna share with you. Let me tell you, you might be in a place right now where you feel like you have no power in this life. You feel like your, your struggle is just, it's real. Maybe you're there right now, maybe you just went through a season in your life like that. But let me tell you, I've actually experienced times in my life where God removed any sense of power. God didn't remove it, but he allowed it to be removed. And when he did, it took me a while to figure out that what I had to do was remember where my power lies. He had to remove my power to show me his power, right? Not a fun place to be, is it? Number two is no one can prevent God's plan from being carried out. No one. So to connect more dots, check this out. In in the chapter before, in verse 18, it says this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Where? Heaven. The power of heaven. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce quietly, uh, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph... Son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for which she has conceived in her is truly from the Holy Spirit, heaven. But many times in our lives when things like this happen, we, we run, we retreat, don't we? We bury our heads in the sand. Scripture says this, when Herod heard Jesus was coming, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. So he assembled a bunch of people together. Isn't that what we do? Something bad happens. The first thing you do, you get on the phone and call your sister. You don't. Your mom, your dad, your brother, your aunt, your uncle, because we got to share this event. I think sometimes we think we share this event with somebody else, we put it on them and take it off us, right? Maybe it's just me. Number three in your notes says, superficial loyalty does not impress people or God. 
Real power in our lives does not come by the number of friends we have on social media. And I know sometimes it sure feels like it does, right? Real power comes from an encounter with God. See, Joseph did not have to run and he did not have to become anxious because of what he heard. But he did, didn't he? He wasn't leaning on God. He wasn't leaning on the power of heaven. He was leaning on the power of earth. He was leaning on himself. The opposite of what Herod was doing is what Joseph was doing. Joseph got a call from heaven and leaned on the power of God and said, I don't have to leave Mary. I don't have to go anywhere because my power lies from God. Herod's the one that called everybody together. I wanna close with one last scripture for you. Matthew chapter nine, verse 21 and 22. There was a woman and she had been sick for 12 years. And when I say sick, I mean, she was so sick that nobody could help her. Her power on earth had been completely removed. She wasn't even allowed to walk down the street with friends or family. Many people know about lepers in the Bible and they were cast away. They were cast out of town. Don't even come into our town. Same thing that happened to this woman. I love what she does. She says to herself, if only I touch his garment, I will be made well. It says in verse 22, Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. I know, doesn't it give you cold chills? Or is that just the AC? Doesn't it? She said to herself, I don't even got to talk to him. I just need to get close enough to touch his garment. And as she's doing it, Jesus turns around and says, due to your faith, you will be made well. And due to your faith in what? Me. God. See, this is where the power comes from. The same power that healed this woman, the same power that spoke to Virgin Mary, the same power that spoke to Joseph, the same power that walked our savior out of a borrowed grave is the very same power that we can tap into every single day. I don't know about you guys, but to me, that's awesome. Because if, if I just try to figure it out myself, man, I mess it up. I just do. But when I start out and I put on the armor and I say, God, this is yours, help me. I'm gonna need some power today, God. I know the day in front of me, I'm gonna need some power and it needs to come from you, God. Lastly, God wasn't intimidated by Herod. God was not intimidated by anything down here. Isn't that good to hear? Our God is not intimidated. What I wanna leave you guys with going into this holiday season, into New Year's, in 2024, wouldn't it be amazing if we focused on the power of heaven rather than our earthly situations? I know, you know pastor, that's, that's easier said than done. It is. And that's why we're talking about the power struggle between these two kings. Let's pray. 
Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the word of God and how it speaks. God, I thank you for the truth and I thank you so much that there is real power in it. God, I pray as we end a season, end a, a year and walk into a new one, God, that we, we walk into 2024 with a whole different mindset. And God, I pray that that mindset is us focusing on you and not what's going on around us. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Church, let's stand together.
Lord Jesus, as we go from this place today, we worship the King of Kings. We go forth in his peace and all God's people said amen and amen. God bless you, church.